0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports.
1: The clock at four. Donchich.
0: The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn
2: app to start listening. Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt and Sprague on Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Service Patriots is your home comfort solution for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com/slash the fan. Mm-hmm.
0: This is Dirt
2: and Sprague.
0: Guys, this weekend ain't about freaking stocks and bonds. It's about football! It's about getting your ass up off of your lazy ass, yelling for your team, and saying, let's go, go! Damn it! With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. And for the love of God, people, quit doing the freaking wave. Are you kidding me? The
2: wave? Jesus. Nobody does the wave anymore. Yeah, the Billy Bobs do it in NASCAR at the racetrack because there's nothing else to do there Sit me, 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 and watch the damn cars go in circles and wait for a wreck. Dirt and Spray, gun 1080. Damn it, son. Do you all hear me? The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two. It always flies right by that first hour. You can check it at the uh, Service Patriots podcast Check out the latest special offers for your deals at servicepatriots.com/slash 1080 the fan. They got some good deals going on. Thank you for all the great texts. the Vancouver Ford Text Line, 503-864-6326. And uh thanks everybody tuning in, hopping on, and Hanging out with us on YouTube, YouTube.com backslash ten eighty the fan. Feels good to be back and being called an idiot all morning. I love it, dude. <laughs> I missed you guys. Don't turn against the world when we're all rooting for the same thing. Hey, <laughs> eh, sometimes we gotta argue, you know. Uh, I, you, you mentioned something. I read a piece going into last night's game on Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan. There's this unique relationship. They drafted him the same year they drafted RG three, and yeah. every report suggests, and they basically have admitted this at this point. That he really wanted him when he got the San Francisco job. He was like, oh, Kirkers, get here. And then Jimmy Garoppolo went undefeated, and their hand was forced. They reacted too strongly to it. They made a mistake with Trey Lance. What you saw last night was what you mentioned, a desperate Minnesota team. What you also saw on the other side, no matter how you want to slice it, is Kirk Cousins 2.0. And I say that not as a slight to Brock Purdy, but Kyle Shanahan basically echoed the exact same sentiment this week in media day going Mm -hmm. up to the game Mm -hmm. and said, asked for qualities of Brock Purdy that are somewhat like Kirk Cousins. And Shanahan said, quote, very similar. They're, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. So what Shanahan did was he went and found his own Kirk Cousins late in the draft. There was a report written that Shanahan has a specific type of quarterback that he has to have operate his offense Otherwise, he loses trust, and he loses it quickly. He also doesn't have a lot of patience. And so what I find interesting about the Niners, they're a really good team. We'll see if they stay healthy. I'm curious to see if he's going to get a Super Bowl out of this because he's kind of bucking the trend a bit as a coach. Mm -hmm. Every other coach, including the best one right now in Andy Reid, understands you need a quarterback, but you need one that's a little different and special, whereas Shanahan is operating of I'm – the best thing that we can do to win a Super Bowl. So I'm going to go get the quarterback that just does anything I say. There are people legitimately that think Brock Purdy just does exactly what (laughs) Shanahan asks. Hey, throw the out here. He's going to be open for six yards. Hey, dump it to McCaffrey here on the delay. Hey, do this, do that. And that's what he does. That's why he's good. He's just efficient. He does what Shanahan asks. I'll be curious to see if this actually rewards them with a Super Bowl versus – Finding the quarterback that pushes the pushes the meter a little bit, does things a little unorthodox, does things outside of the Shanahan purview and goes and actually wins them a game when Shanahan calls a play, but they don't actually execute that play. Yeah, I, it's funny that when you say that they have found their own Kirk Cousins, I think a lot of people would view that as uh, as a negative of like, oh, that's the best that you can do. I view that as a positive. Can you win a Super Bowl that way That's kind of my point. I think you can. Now, it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to win one, but you got damn close with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, is not better than Kirk Cousins, and I think Brock Purdy has already proven that he can be more efficient in that offense than Jimmy Garoppolo was. Yes, having Christian McCaffrey helps – but I think Kirk Cousins is a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. I've always felt that way. He just hasn't always had the best around him in terms of his defense sucks, his offensive line hasn't been very good. And if the NFL teaches us anything year in and year out, is that these guys need help, man. You need to surround them with things that are going to help them win. And so when you tell me that the 49ers have found their Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, is making the amount of money that a seventh-round NFL draft pick makes, I view that as an incredible positive. Like, that's their angle. It's not necessarily that we don't have to have a difference-maker, a quarterback. Because I do think Brock Purdy possesses the capability of being that. It's also on top of that, we have a good quarterback who can run our offense efficiently. And we're paying him $800,000, which allows us to go sign X, Y, and Z and have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. And make sure Christian McCaffrey's a 49er. And re-sign Debo Samuel. Re-sign Bosa. Make sure Fred Warner's under contract for a long time. Eventually, you're going to have to pay the piper. Eventually, Brock Purdy will come up, and you're going to have to figure out how much is he worth, how much is he going to you know demand and all that. That will eventually be a problem for them, but not right now. It's not. And so I think as long as you have a quarterback that can function in that offense at a high level— which he has clearly proven that he can, they're going to be fine. This is To me, the the reaction of the 49ers losing a couple of games is hilarious. Like, I go back to that game last night. You have the opening drive after you get a pick. You just manhandle an interception away from Jordan Addison. You drive inside the 20-yard line, and what happens? Christian McCaffrey fumbles. Okay, if he doesn't fumble there, you score a touchdown. You're up 7-0 just like that. Second drive. You drive the ball down again with an opportunity to tie the game because I believe Minnesota scored on their second drive. Mm -hmm. What happens? You settle for a field goal. Your kicker's dealing with some stuff right now, and he misses a kick. Like, that's 10 points that were on the board right out of the gate. You lost the game by five points. Like, again, we go back to the conversation that these games are won around the margins. It's not. Brock Purdy's fault, the Christian McCaffrey fumbled on the 15-yard line going in, but you lose the game and everybody says, eh, hey, what's wrong with Brock Purdy, Kenny? I don't know. What's the excuse now? Like the overreaction that's going to take place to me is hilarious. Brock Purdy is perfect for that offense. And if any co- if any coach in the NFL wants to tell me that they can figure out a way to do it and they don't need a Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, I would I would trust Kyle Shanahan to figure it out. The funny thing is, they had a thing on ESPN.com last week. Comparing Brock Purdy's yearly salary of 800 and some change, $1,000, to every other starting quarterback and how long it takes them to make that amount, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is 30 minutes. <laughs> Two quarters and Kirk Cousins makes what Brock Purdy makes in a year. <laughs> that's the difference financially. And that's why Minnesota has a hard time winning. Like That's the whole argument against a guy like Kirk Cousins is that you're... He, I think Kirk Cousins is a top-ten guy. We don't need to get into that debate again. The problem is you're paying him to be better than he is. Like That's the tough part with winning with quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. There's a million examples like this where they're overpaid. They're not worth that much money, and it restricts your ability unless you hit the absolute l- home-run lottery in the draft. Right. Like You're just going to have a really hard time putting a Super Bowl roster around a guy like that. So I, I had mentioned earlier, we just don't know what the hell is – Going on in the NFL, who, what teams are good or great? Like everybody can come in and say, "No, Buffalo, Buffalo's good. Buffalo's lost, but Buffalo's good." I mm, go look at their losses. They're not particularly great losses. They have lost to Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. You sure about that? So you know, like, I think it's such an easy thing to respond. Oh, the Eagles. The, the Eagles are good. Oh, okay. I could also see the Eagles losing in the divisional round in the playoffs. Like, I'm I. I just I uh, I don't think anybody really knows. I think we just say what we feel, and then half the time we end up being wrong. I want you to take a listen to this. I heard this yesterday, and I was I was literally laughing out loud listening okay. to this by myself with headphones on. I want you to tell me if you can tell who this individual, what this individual did to lead him to this kind of passionate rant. So this is about the Atlanta Falcons who went to Tampa today narrowly won but a specific player did not play much. And I want you to take a listen.
3: Injury report, a report where you are supposed to say whether a player is injured or not. So when B. John Robinson tells the media, I woke up on Sunday morning and on Saturday night, I started to feel it and I didn't really feel myself. I didn't feel like myself. Like the Falcons are required to report that to the media. They are required to report it. So let's say that like 1145, so Adam Schefter tweets Mike Garofolo Tom Pelissero tweets Bijan Robinson is sick the fact like they don't know how much he's going to get used in the game today okay now the decision is incumbent on me like like the the like the the person who's managing the team or is making the prop bets or doing the DFS lineup now i can make the decision and say okay like what do i think's going to happen and then i can live with whatever happens in the game because i have been presented with the information but like to not get the information and to have the game start and for this both so arthur smith to say oh yeah I just didn't feel well we'll have more for you tomorrow like hey buddy like, you don't have to care about fantasy football and care about my bets. Like, you do have to fill out an injury report. Like, this is pretty flagrant what they did yesterday. And, yeah, like, it is personal for me because it screwed me in a couple fantasy leagues. I know it screwed a lot of people yesterday. Like, no one's saying that anyone has to make decisions based on, like, what people bet in games. No, If you are saying that, you're way off base. But, like, can we at least get the information? Can you at least report that the guy is sick? Can we get that before the game starts? So we're not wandering two series into the game. Why are why is Cordero Patterson running ahead of Bijan? Why is Tyler Algier getting all the count? What's happening here?
2: <laughs> Can you tell who Nick Costos was gambling on? Yeah. Well, it wasn't the Falcons because they covered and they won, but he was probably he had had Bijan, Bijan props. in all of his yeah, props and in his fantasy props. lineups. Yeah. Look, I love Nick Costos. His passion is hilarious. This one to me is a gray area. He's right. No, 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 he's well, on. right. It's funny but he's right. See, I th- I will agree with you in terms of an actual injury. Like if like I think this came to light with the quarterback documentary on Netflix. Kirk Cousins was hurt all year with oh, a yeah. rib injury and internal chest injury. I think it's something to monitor with Washington now. Totally. And what? and the Vikings all season never talked about it. He didn't show up on the injury report yeah. like it was never a thing for them. But when you watch that documentary, you clearly see all season it affected him and it never showed up on the injury report this one i think is a little bit different this is a guy that says he's sick on saturday the night before the game so what do you want him to do they have injury reports for sunday morning though sure you you could say questionable his point is right here you could say woke up not feeling great questionable or we'll see how falcons because he's right once the information's known It's up to you to make the decision on props, bets, all that stuff. That's fair. I just I don't view this quite as like the dude was dealing with an injury all week. They didn't disclose it. And then on Sunday, you're like, why didn't he play? Well, he has an ankle injury. This was the night before the game. He was sick. He probably thought he was going to be able to play on Sunday. Woke up and was like, eh, no, I don't know. Went through warm-ups. He had a carry in the game. He clearly tried to give it a go, but he wasn't impactful and he didn't feel healthy enough. But but where he's right, though, is that the, the NFL teams do this because Of their partnerships with gambling and fantasy sports, and that's why this is really important information. It, I would view it as an injury. I think it's the same thing as having a sprained ankle. To be honest with you, he didn't play. He played like three snaps. It was really weird what they did, and nobody knew what was going on. The broadcast was Chris Myers. He wasn't saying anything about Bijan not playing. It was a really odd situation, and you don't have to care about the gambling side or the fantasy football side. That's okay. But he's right here. You cannot be getting in bed with these people and then not releasing that information. Make other people make the choice. Don't not release the information. I would love to see Nick Costos do this Ran at an actual Arthur Smith press conference and see how he responds. I don't think, I don't think Costos would care. I no, think he wouldn't care. I think he'd want Arthur Smith to try to challenge him on this because it's a bit ridiculous when you get to games and these guys don't play. Yeah. It's a really weird gray area with how in bed you are with gambling. I'm worried about Saturday. I kind of <laughs> want to hammer the ducks on the road, but now I'm like, why is Lanning keep talking about Bucky Irving? And I know he looked like he got knocked out, but maybe he's mentioning Bucky Irving a little too much here. Is Bucky Irving going to randomly not play on? Yeah, well, He tried, but we couldn't give it a go yet. I'm like, damn it. I didn't know Bucky wasn't playing. Said he was a full-going practice yesterday, so believe what you yeah, want to believe. I, I, I know. I know. We'll see. I love it though. It's a proper rant. That's for sure. Deal said there's a number you can call if you have a problem with the injury report. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. Gamblers Anonymous. The voicemail is just full of Costos yeah. going off. <laughs> Bijan, why didn't Bijan play? Coming up next, Dirt's uh, takeaways and views of uh, the Pac-12 week and he wasn't here yesterday, so we'll dive into that next. Max Chadwick at the bottom of the hour, PFF college football guy, next on the fan.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.
1: News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports, Back clock at four, Donchich, the Step Back Three, you music, you set my world on fire. Yes,
0: and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
4: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Well, Dirt, the uh, Pac-12 weekend is come and gone. We're on to the next round of games. Oregon's got Utah, Oregon State down at the desert. It's It's a massive weekend, man. It is. This could be our team's season this weekend. Yeah, it could be. I I kind of like the matchup for your team against their opponent. I know it's not an easy place to play. I don't okay. expect this to be a massive blowout or anything. I just I think Styles make fights. I thought Utah was the wrong matchup for a USC, whereas I'm not as convinced the pig farmer is going to be doing <laughs> as much damage to a defense uh, in Oregon as he did to the defense down in Socal. What was your takeaway from the weekend though? Washington barely beating Arizona State, craziness, man. Oregon bit of a slow start but yeah. then got it going and, you know, never really looked back against Washington State. What was your takeaway from the weekend? Well, I think it's a ta- the takeaway that I had was there's a difference there when you're having an off game or a letdown game, which I think none of us were surprised that Washington Oregon had this weekend. That was such a heavyweight down to the last second fight that if you told me both of them come out flat and you're sluggish in the first half, I'm not surprised in the least by that. It happens every week in college football. The difference is when you have the ability to run the football and be more physical up front, you can kind of overcome it. Like look at the Oregon Washington state game as an example Opening drive, they moved it great. You get down there, you kick a field goal, you miss it. Like, all right, that's a lingering issue. Let's try and figure that thing out. You get back down there the next time, you settle again for a field goal, you make that one. I think there's a bigger takeaway of we got to figure out red zone offense and and scoring touchdowns on those drives because it costs you against Washington. You find yourself down 10-3. to I can't remember if it was late first quarter, early second quarter, whenever it was. And what did Oregon do on their third drive? They ran the ball on literally every play. Run, play, run, play, run, 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 touchdown. How'd and, that go for them, yeah. And, it, and they they scored with ease. And then you look at the Washington game late at night, like this is the difficult part that they're going to have from time to time. And I thought the Oregon game was an eye-opener. Of They ran the ball well in that game. They had a 100-yard rusher. That was something they didn't really have all season. And so to find some balance offensively, I thought that was a step in the right direction for them. Dude, to have 13 carries for 13 yards against Arizona State is a major red flag because you're going to have games when your passing attack is a little off, whether it's Penix is slightly banged up right now and they're just not talking about it, whether it was the letdown factor, whether it was the weather. what I don't know what the excuse was, but they were not good throwing the football. They had one of those weird deflected interceptions that those are going to happen from time to time. The other one was not a good pick. But you have to have the ability to say, okay, look, it's raining, it's late, we're playing Arizona State, hand the damn ball off and go get six yards. Just win at the line of scrimmage. If you can't do that against ASU, it's a concern. And so I thought that showed having the ability to be balanced on offense is is incredibly helpful. The USC game, though, was the highlight of the weekend. The pig farmer? Watching Utah go on the road and beat them, and seeing Lincoln Riley complain the entire game about Utah's substitution techniques, watching him not bring any players out to talk to the media, acting as if this is a total rebuild, despite the fact that he brought in the best player in the sport with him, and Caleb Williams, who won the Heisman Trophy, and everything that they're talking about is an abject failure and disaster this season because they still have more challenging games to go against Washington, against Oregon, against UCLA, which none of them are guarantees, like that's legitimately a team that could go seven and five this year. Yeah, they might be eight and four, seven and five, and it would be hilarious because they were everybody's favorite at the start of the year because of Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. And once again, their defense bit him in the ass. Utah couldn't move the ball against anybody other than Cal, and maybe they show this weekend against Oregon that they figured some stuff out. Vaki moving to offense is. A game changer like that dude's a nightmare right now to cover, and I do think having Barnes at quarterback is the right move for them. Unquestionably, he's way better than Nate Johnson. I couldn't believe that he was ever behind Nate Johnson. Like, what was that, dude? I, I don't know. Like this even happened in the Oregon State game. They played Nate Johnson for almost all of it, and mm-hmm. then they brought in Barnes and he drove him down the field. I remember Swag texting of like, "Why isn't this dude starting?" And they ended up throwing a pick on that drive, and you are like, "Well, that's why." Well, he also played very poorly in the at Baylor, Baylor game. In yeah, the Baylor, Baylor game, Baylor he again, sucked. He was awful. That to me was an overreaction though, because he was pretty good against. Florida and then they benched him after one bad game and Nate Johnson just can't throw the football and like, you have to be able to throw the ball If there was ever a time for Lincoln if Lincoln is not checked out the way I think he is I think he's going to the NFL I I think when you see teams collapse like this I think it's Caleb now kind of eyeing his draft stock he'll put up numbers Lincoln dealing with stuff off the field with negotiations and agent talk I have no other reason to believe that you're not doing that because at what point is the defensive coach not put in question here That team had one thing to do on offense to beat USC. Run the football. All right, great. We're going to prevent it. And I know he hit a couple throws and he had some runs of his own. Mm -hmm. But largely it was Utah's offense was, we're going to run the football with our safety. And we're still going to somehow score 30 plus points and we're going to win the football game. How, how, if you truly care about your program and you want to turn your season around, how do you not fire your defensive coordinator at this point and I think that's kind of how I've just viewed it. I think he's just biding time and doesn't want to fire his friend, and he's going to leave, and they're going to go to the Big Ten and become irrelevant again. Because I don't know what USC is at this point. I, USC's defense is trash. It's embarrassing. And to be honest with you, their offense is good. Caleb's amazing. Their run game is not bad, and they just don't want to lean on it. No, they ran the ball incredibly effectively early in that game, and then went away from it I, as the game went on. Marshawn Lloyd had a long run. Yeah. I, I, I love their running game, and then Lincoln just goes <laughs> away for for two quarters, and you're like, why are you not running the football? Lloyd averaged 12 yards a carry. I know he had the fumble, and that's probably why they stopped giving him the ball, but, like, dude, he averaged 12 yards a carry. Caleb threw three picks against <laughs> Notre Dame, Did he stopped throwing the football. I just hate overreacting to a turnover once in a while. I know. Utah ran the ball for 247 yards on that defense. I said this yesterday, and I, I want to get your take. I think there's only one program right now in the conference other than Utah that could use their backup quarterback and be 6-1. and one. Oh. Only one other team. Who do you think it is? I think it's Oregon State because they did it with Branson last year. Okay. If I didn't know Ben Branson or Aiden Childs, I wouldn't pick them, but because they won, what, six in a row or whatever it was with Branson, I've seen them do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other program can do it, which speaks to the coaching job that Whittingham did on Saturday. Dude, he's the best coach in the conference, and I don't even really know if it's close. And this is part of the stuff with Lincoln Riley that has made me chuckle. I, you know, him coming in immediately like, and acting like he's going to dominate the conference when there are people like Kyle Whittingham here who has now beaten him every time that he's played him. 0-3 oh against oh Whittingham. Whittingham's like, just bullying dude, him. I, USC should not be able to go run and hide in the Big Ten away from Utah. They should be mandated a non-conference every year to play Utah until <laughs> they beat Utah, and then they no longer have to play Utah. Again, that should be a requirement of college football. Make me the commissioner, and I'll make it happen. That should be a game that takes place every year. This is th- this highlights the whole issue though with USC and with Lincoln Riley. Like I see USC fan complaining, just fire Alex Grinch as if that's going to solve things. You have a head coach who doesn't take anything on that side of the ball seriously. He never has. He doesn't recruit at a high level on defense. He doesn't put a lot of resources into the defense. Like he just doesn't care. That's always been his weakness. And until I see him change, I'm not going to believe he's ever going to. Maybe he's belting for the NFL like you would argue, I think Ohio State is the prime example of a team that realized at whatever juncture it was, I'm not sure maybe Oregon had something to do with this when they dominated them up front when they won in Columbus of like, dude, we're getting manhandled by Oregon we need to change something here because if that's the reality, we're not going to be able to beat Georgia or any of these other powerhouse programs Dude, that defense is nasty it's winning them games now against good opponents and they realize we have to be better in the front seven, we need to recruit better we need to find a better defensive coordinator and they've put all their resources on that side, or not all but a lot of them on that side of the ball and it's working for them until i see lincoln riley do that at the college level and again maybe his days are numbered because he's going to the nfl i'm just not going to believe that they can win at the highest level uh ohio state should worry about getting a quarterback is what i would say to that too because i i don't think that team is i I think they're lacking something on that side that's fair but i think their defense can make up for it their defense has been good and they get michigan at home this year yeah uh, yeah, I still have the image of the last time Michigan was at Ohio. Are you sure it's this year? They're in oh Ohio no, that's State? right. They're, They're back Michigan. in Ann Arbor this year. Yeah, yeah. Because last year I was I thought they'd beat them, and then Michigan came out from the gate. Uh, the final thing I'd say on this too is I hear what you're saying, but I do think firing a coordinator shows care. Oh, absolutely. I would fire Jonathan, him. Yeah, I would. Have fired Jonathan him fired Tibicar at this point of the year yeah. a couple years ago, and their defense wasn't top of the line in the conference, but their defense statistically changed overnight. It was sure. a different group. And if you do care, you'd make the change. But I would definitely fire him. I, that If this isn't fireable, I don't know what is in college football. Poll question, should Lincoln Riley be mandated to play Kyle Whittingham every year in non-conference until he beats him? Yes or no at Dirt and Sprague. Uh, let's talk more college football with Max Chadwick, a pro football-focused college football. He'll join us for the Daily Ticker next. Uh, the mail sack is at 815, so get the mail sack questions in. Uh, but Max Chadwick is next. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. This
0: is the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How do you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker, with Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan.
2: All right, Daily Ticker time here on a Tuesday. Let's talk some more college football. Joining us now is friend of the program, Max Chadwick, college football analyst at Pro Football Focus. At Max Chadwick, CFB on Twitter. Max, good morning to you, man. I'm going to start with a kind of an open ended question. I'm just curious. We were just talking about USC losing. You had Houston almost knock off Texas. You had Washington somehow not score an offensive touchdown against Arizona State. Michigan maybe is cheating in all their games, but we don't really know how to make sense of that. If I were at Penn State losing another big game, what's the biggest storyline for you out of this weekend in college football?
1: Oh, man. That is a difficult first question um honestly i think the michigan thing has been a little crazy so far and we're going to see how just how serious this is uh obviously the guy you know buying tickets to every single game he <laughs> apparently bought tickets for both sidelines to the penn State-Ohio state ohio state games didn't show up because he uh Obviously, the whole story broke, and he was named in it. So I got like pretty smart not to show face in that game, honestly. Um, but yeah, it, that was probably the biggest story. But like you said, I mean, it was an insane weekend of college football. USC's playoff hopes are dashed by U- Utah once again. Uh, Texas survived. Oklahoma survived. Uh, Ohio State looked great against Penn State. So yeah, it was a crazy weekend of college football, and uh, yeah, it was just insane.
2: I got a challenge for you, Max. Are you ready? Yeah. Tell me the four best teams in college football.
1: <laughs> uh, I would say Georgia. I would still, and my rankings actually just, just drop on PFF.com. I still have Georgia number one, although they haven't looked as dominant. I think the most dominant team in the country so far has been Michigan. I, they've won every game by nearly 30 points. Um, we'll see how much this, uh, this scandal plays a factor the rest of the season, but I still think Michigan, I picked Michigan to win it all before the season, and I still feel really good about that right now. Uh, so I got Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State right now is the best resume in college football. They beat Penn State. They beat Notre Dame. Both of those teams are still in the top 15 of the AP poll. Uh, so, yeah, they, they that's the best resume. So I think Ohio State should be number three. And then number four, I would put uh, probably Florida State. I think their resume uh, is probably second in the country behind Ohio State. You know, you got the win over LSU. You got the win over uh, over Duke now um, you have the win over Clemson as well who of course has you know, dropped a few games but LSU and Duke are still top 25 teams right now so and LSU is in the top 15 so I, I think Florida State's resume that's probably the playoff I would have right now is Georgia Michigan. Uh, Florida State and Ohio State are my four teams.
2: Right? Oh, I'm sorry, Max. That's incorrect. No Pac-12 teams. That is an incorrect answer. We're going to have to get out of that one. I love it, man. There's so many different answers that you could give to that question. I, let's get to that one of those Pac-12 storylines you mentioned, USC's playoff hopes being dashed. We were just talking about it before we brought you on. I mean, just to have – another bad defensive performance for Lincoln Riley there's that kind of sense that maybe he's just already eyeing the NFL and the dude's moving on I've always argued this that he's it just like until he does not on the defensive side of the football I don't take him seriously as a national title contender I'm just curious your thoughts on USC and what that loss again to Kyle Whittingham and Utah means for them
1: yeah honestly it, and I heard a lot about that too about Lincoln Riley having one eye on the NFL right now I, I just if I'm an NFL team it's like do you really want to hire that guy right now like I mean he's just proven over the last several years, going back to Oklahoma, the dude doesn't care about defense. He doesn't. He, he cares about having one of the best offenses in college football, and then the defense, he just is like, whatever. You can't do that. You, you seriously can't do that. And it's the reason why this team has not been in the national championship contending. I mean, he's had. you look back, he has had some of the best quarterbacks in college football that we've seen over the last several years. Baker Mayfield won a Heisman Trophy under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyler Murray won a Heisman Trophy under him. Caleb Williams won a Heisman Trophy under them. None of them really had a shot at winning the national championship. Kyler Murray, I think, made the playoff one year, uh, and Baker Mayfield made the playoff one year. They both got smoked uh, in one of them. Baker Mayfield, obviously, uh, went to that overtime game with Georgia. Caleb Williams never made the college football playoff. I mean, this is a team that just does not care about the defensive side of the ball. And even though they have a top five offense in the country year after year after year, they refuse. To have a good defense, it's almost like the anti-Iowa, where it's like (laughs) Iowa just will never have a good offense because Brian Ferentz, uh, the coach's son, is is coordinating that offense. But the defense is always elite. Like if you combine Iowa's defense and USC's offense, I mean, you might have the best team in college football history, honestly. So uh, he's got to care about defense, man. And I think it all starts with letting go of your defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and getting a serious defensive coordinator and let him just handle that side of the ball
2: do you think anything's really going to happen to michigan though in season because it feels like however bad this cheating scandal is or is not uh max it feels like they're not going to get hit in season like how often does that even happen so maybe a final fu to the ncaa from harbaugh to try to win the title and then just bounce to the nfl and you can hit him with a show cause like I, I talked about watching the Astros lose made me really happy. I just hate that organization, largely because they get, they went unpunished by baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, but how would you comp the Michigan scandal, no scandal? How do you view what's happening with the Michigan story? Because Dirt Over Here thinks it's the same as the Astros. Do you feel that way, and is anything going to happen to them in season?
1: Yeah, I, listen, it, at, at first when the story broke, it, a lot of people, including myself, were kind of like, okay, you know, this is something that every college football team does. Like, it seems like this is another one that just comes after Jim Harbaugh for for nothing, basically, the whole burger story. This offseason was like, dude, come on. Um, but now that more and more details have emerged, it is kind of more serious than I thought. Now, I kind of agree with you. I think it would be. Um, very quick for the NCAA. It, it, this is not an organization that is known for being very timely and quick with their decisions. So this would be a very fast decision for NCAA to do something this year before the season is over. So I, I don't think anything will happen this year. But, it, you know, all the details emerging, there's reports that uh, of stallion's the guy who is uh, under scrutiny right now. I mean, there's reports that, you know, there's stadium surveillance of him taking videos of the opposing sidelines. Like, that's a big no-no, obviously. Um, you, there's someone posted pictures yesterday of him at the Ohio state game. And a lot of Michigan fans are like, Oh, the kind of is just a low level staffer. Like I, I wonder if Jim even knew about this. He was standing next to Jim Harbaugh. he's standing next to the office of the defensive coordinators uh, when the game was going on. So obviously, you know, when Michigan had the ball, he was standing next to the office of the coordinator saying, Hey, this is what Ohio State's doing. In, I'm guessing. And then the defensive coordinator is doing the same thing for them when Ohio state has the ball. So this guy clearly, there's something going on here and this guy clearly, um, who's making $50,000 a year and buying all these tickets is not going to be able to afford that. Uh, so there's something going on here. I don't think it'll be this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see something this off season happen to Michigan. And I also wouldn't be surprised if this is the last straw for Jim Harbaugh, win a national title, and then go right back to the NFL because he doesn't want to deal with all the NCAA. Uh, investigations that you can go under.
2: Wait, dirt. So you're telling me Michigan, according <laughs> to Max Chadwick, Michigan has their version of Brock Purdy who's cheating for him? They do. He's a he's a cheap guy. He's only fifty grand, grand a year, a year to be all the cheater? cheater. That's all it costs, man. That's, man, work smarter, not harder. Right? And then what they say. <laughs> Seventh round cheater <laughs> draft pick. Let, I love it. Let me ask you about one other Big Ten team who is going to play Michigan here soon, and that is Penn State. Like I see arguments on both sides of this, where people say like Penn State's had a lot of success. They just won a Rose Bowl last year, for heaven's sakes. The other argument is. Is like he can't James Franklin can't beat Ohio State and Michigan. He's been there for 10 years. Like at what point do you need to get over that hump and show that you're better than them? Uh, just what were your feelings on Penn State now that they lost another one of these big games?
1: Yeah, I actually – so I was lucky enough to actually be in attendance uh, at that game, and I was able to be uh, – yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I actually – just to look under the hood, I am actually grew up a diehard Penn State fan. Oh. Uh, so it was it was tough. The whole no cheering in the press box rule was, was very <laughs> difficult for me uh, during that game. But honestly, listen, my, my main takeaway, first of all, Penn State's offense is as bad as I thought it was uh, going into it. So I, I think that wasn't that big of a surprise. Penn State fans wanting James Franklin fired, I just don't understand it, man. Because you mentioned getting over the hump of Ohio State-Michigan. I completely agree with you. That is one heck of a hump to get over, man. I mean, those are two of the best programs in college football with some of the best resources in college football. If you're a Penn State fan, if you're saying that is the expectation, I mean, man, you're chasing the grass is greener almost all the time, and that could really put your program backwards. James Franklin's a heck of a coach, probably a top-ten coach in the country. I don't know if Penn State's a top 10 job in the country, honestly. So I, I think even James Franklin might be even uh, better of a coach than Penn State is worthy of, honestly. So mm. um, it's a heck of a hump to, to get over, and I agree that you know you want to start seeing these major victories it just hasn't had yet. But at the same time, I mean, if you're chasing that and, and if you're saying, hey, that is the expectation, that should be the hope for Penn State. And they're still very well behind Ohio State and Michigan in terms of NIL, in terms of the facilities they have, uh, until they make up that gap, I don't think they are be able to make up the gap on the field. So I, I'm not really one of those Penn State people or fans that says, hey, James Franklin has to go. I agree it's disheartening that he hasn't been able to do it yet, but at the same time, that is one heck of an ask to ask any coach in college football right now. So I'm not I'm not the one that says, hey, this guy should be fired after this year.
2: A rational college football fan in 2023. I How can't about, believe he stayed awake for the game. That, that thing was boring yeah, as hell. It was, man. That was, <laughs> that was this old Big Ten slobber knocker, man. Max Chadwick, PFF, college football analyst at Max Chadwick CFB. Uh, go give him a follow, Max. We always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for the insight. Hopefully we can do it again soon.
1: Of course. Thanks so much, guys.
2: There you go. Max Chadwick, a pro football focus. Did you talk much about that Penn State game yesterday? Uh, I talked about how boring it was. okay and uh, you know, Franklin's thing is true his record against big Ten teams in Ohio State, Michigan. I saw a really good point after the show yesterday that it basically was conveying what I was saying. They're stuck in the in between. yes the the, Mar- the 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 Marylands, the Iowas all well, not Maryland because well Maryland's big Ten now Yes, they uh, are thank you. The Marylands, the Iowas like those teams all suck. Penn State's better than them. Yes, they are. The two teams better than Penn State, they can't be better than. So, like, they're stuck in this alone space in the Big Ten, which is why they don't want Oregon and Washington coming in, <laughs> right. because they might come in right at that slot and then work their way up. Well, and that's. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to get to a little bit of that on the other side. The Michigan story is hilarious, and it just keeps expanding. Uh, we do need to get to a future college football story. That's coming up in a bit. Don't forget the mail sack as well. It is a Tuesday. So get your questions in 503-864-6326. That is the Vancouver Ford text line. We're back after this on 1080 The Fam. All right, we'll get to a story from Ross Dellinger coming up top of the hour. I mean, we would kind of do. Ross Dellinger just put him in the Oregon State Hall of Fame of sad news to report on Oregon State. Get to the mail sack at 815-503-864-6326. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I feel like I've done a good job of arguing is being rational as a college program over the years. Like Mich I was one of the few people when Michigan went through their lull, especially in that COVID year, and everybody wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh. You couldn't beat Ohio State. Well, you haven't got to the playoff yet. And I just said, like, let's take a deep breath. Like, he's a good coach. He's proven he's a good coach. Like, I, I would imagine Jim Harbaugh is going to figure this out. And the last two years have gone really well for them. They haven't won a playoff game, but they've gotten there, and they've now beaten Ohio State back to back years. I I have to go the opposite side of this now. Again, this will depend on how the rest of the season goes. I have to go the opposite direction on Penn State, man. Like, how many more years do we need to see this until mm. your expectations change? And I think you hit on one of the key issues there. Like, your conference is going to get more challenging in the years to come. Like, there's a lot of people out here that want to joke about how fun going 7-5 and in the Big Ten org. And it's like, yeah, Indiana and Illinois, I mean, shaking in my boots – (laughs) they're <laughs> they, they going to shake in their boots when they see what offense is. Like, wait, yeah. you can throw the football and wait, run? The forward pass? What is this? 1997? The underhit in Minnesota, Iowa. Of course it did. <laughs> like, dude, that's re- there's really bad football that gets played in the Big yeah, Ten. And some of is. these teams are going to go in and, like, shake things up a little bit. Yeah. Like, things are going to get harder for them. Mm-hmm. I, like, how much more do we need to see? Until your expectations say, like, dude, at some point you got to beat these teams. He's been there for a decade. Yeah. A decade. I was surprised to hear you say that to Max. His first year at Penn State was 2014. God, I feel like we had been doing a show for five years (laughs) when they hired him. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm not. Look, somebody's texting in, and you're not necessarily wrong. And maybe this is just a you know beauty in the eye of the beholder thing. He's saying, ask Nebraska how this goes. Uh, Franklin is Pelini 2.0, and I get that. Pelini won nine games every year, and then they fired him because it wasn't enough, and he couldn't win the big game. And Nebraska's not been the same since. Right. Maybe I just put Penn State on a higher pedestal, and I shouldn't. Like, there's better recruits in in Pennsylvania. There's more of a talent base that you can go to. I know that they have a very dark history. We don't need to get into that again. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the built-in advantages are much greater at Penn State to win than they are at Nebraska. Convincing kids to go to Lincoln, Nebraska? I've been to Lincoln, Nebraska. Not an easy place to recruit to. Um, so I i don't know. Maybe I'm putting them too high on the pedestal, but if I were a Penn State fan, I think my rational sense would be wearing out of like, dude, how much longer do we need? Another 10 years? And then you can beat Ohio State and Michigan? I think the hard thing is like a lot of these games are not competitive. Even though that game was 10-6, to did yeah. you watch that game and go, yeah, Yeah, Penn State's going to roar right back and win. Aller threw 42 times. They didn't run the football. And we owe that – not we. They owe that reporter an apology. The dude who made the analogy about throwing the ball down the field, he was trying to highlight, your your passing game sucks. Oh, yeah. And are you – like, do you ever just think about let's try this and see if we can get guys to make plays on -on one-on-one? They can't – I mean, Aller's not the dude yet, at least. Sure. I I think it's being competitive. I think it's also the pay. The pay of these coaches gets released once a year. It just got released a week or two ago. I think Franklin's in the top eight of college football. He definitely is. That's where the pressure is. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because that's the market for coaching. Penn State's recruiting pretty well. I push back a little bit on, like, I've been to Lincoln, so I get what you're saying. I have also heard Penn State. Like to get to the stadium, it's not easy. Okay. It, you got to fly somewhere, and you got to drive an hour, and <laughs> it's, it's out in the middle of nowhere. In it's kind of like the Denver sure. airport. It's an hour out of Denver. You got to drive to the city. That being said, I think the problem with this is most of our childhood, Penn State, Nebraska, these programs mattered a great deal, and I know they've had some success. They won a Rose Bowl, or they win a Rose Bowl, won a Joe Pa's last year's against USC. The problem is the expectation. I just think they they need to recalibrate, and so they this need, is good for Penn State nine and three, ten I, and two. I, I hate and, to say that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, how many years of this do you need to see before you tell yourself this is kind of what it is? Now, can they get an elite coach to go in there and win? Um, possibly, but Franklin recruits pretty damn well. You're winning ten and two. You mentioned they they won the Rose Bowl last year. We were, a non, I mean that's because two Big Ten teams made the College Football I, Playoff. I, I they know. finished in third in the Big Ten. I know, but we're <laughs> debating if they were better than Washington last year. Yeah. I didn't think that they were, but they went and they beat Utah. Now Rising got hurt. That sucked. But they're just stuck. They're they're in no man's land until Washington, Oregon, and USC and UCLA get there. They're better than Minnesota. They're better than Iowa. They're better than yeah. these garbage ass Indiana teams. But they're not Michigan and Ohio State. And when you're stuck there, you get kind of exposed. You're the only one in a group project right now. <laughs> all the other group members have dropped out of school or they've got COVID and they're out for three weeks. You're solo working on the project. So, yeah, this area is not perfect. But this area is pretty good. But all we're highlighting is the area it's not good. When you're all alone. Michigan, Ohio State can lean on each other and say, yeah, how about us? Uh, league playoff teams. <laughs> Everybody else at the bottom is like, yo, we're at the bottom fighting for scraps yeah. I think Penn State fan mostly, I said this on Friday because I thought they would lose. I thought I think most of them are pretty rational about where the situation is. I don't think they're like up in arms. There's noise. But I think it's from the minority. I think a lot of fans are actually okay with where Penn State is as a program. It'd be interesting to see, like, if they lose to Michigan the way that I think they're going to lose to Michigan. They do get that game at home. If you lose that game, and that's another like ten and two season, where what's your best win? Iowa. Like, what's what's your marquee win all season? Oh, I said that. You don't yesterday. really have one. Yeah, right? it's just not really there. And then what does that mean in the future when now all of a sudden you have to play Ohio State and Michigan, and there's a road trip to Austin, or and there's a road trip to Seattle, or a road trip to L. A. Where you got to go play USC. Have fun with that, man. If they don't beat Michigan, dirt. Go look at the schedule. They will not have a win over nope. a ranked opponent, and nope. even after the Michigan game and before it, they don't play a ranked team, and definitely don't play a team that's going to be ranked. <laughs> no. So I asked Bill Conley, "How do you how do like, how do we know Penn State's a top ten team? We keep saying it." But the metrics are skewed, dude. You can't point to numbers with Penn State. They've beaten UMass and Delaware 120-7. to That's two of their six wins. So you can't tell me that, oh, the numbers, the numbers are definitely skewed. They can't throw the football. And I don't know what you do with Penn State. Are they a top 25 team? Maybe the talent would lend itself to say yes, but their schedule, you bitch about the Michigan schedule, and you're right to – their schedule's just as bad, if not worse, yeah. because they won't beat the ranked teams that they face. Yeah, you got to get some of those marquee wins eventually. It's just another weekend of being Penn State football. Maybe I'm putting them on too high of a pedestal, but I think if I were a Penn State fan, I would be getting there mentally and emotionally of like, dude, enough is enough. But who do you hire so, to beat those that's, programs? That's not an easy answer. I don't have the answer to that. That's why the athletic director makes a lot of money. But at some point, I yeah, but maybe they don't. We'll see how the future goes for that. Maybe they beat Michigan and this becomes a moot point here uh, in a couple of weeks. We've got a lot to get to in the final hour, the sack coming up at 8.15. Get your questions in to the Vancouver Ford text line, which is how you can interact with us the entire show. 503-864-6326. We'll answer them coming up at 8.15. Let's start, though, some tough news, but uh, an update, nonetheless, on what the future might look like. We'll start the final hour there next on 1080 The Fam.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential
1: that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at 4. Doncic.
2: The step back three. You bitch! Music. You set my world
0: on fire. Yes, oh. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.